This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Have you ever stopped to wonder what exactly success means to you? Is it money, fame, power, all of the above or none at all? I'm Dashran Johan and this is Redefining Success, a show where we speak to passionate people from various fields about their lives, what makes them tick and what the word success means to them. Joining me on the show today is singer-songwriter B2. Welcome to the show, B2. How do you define success? Thank you for having me. Um, success to me is when you have inner peace and you're content with what you have. Right. And how do you go about attaining that, that inner peace and, and being content with what you have? I'm wondering if your definition of success has changed over time as well. Oh, for sure. Um, if I look at it, usually we associate success with a career, mm-hmm. right? So if you look at it from a singer-songwriter perspective, like as a musician, as an artist, like the conventional ways of measuring success would be you know, um, how many uh, plays you get on Spotify, how many songs you sell, or even in today's uh, uh, measures, like how many social media followers you have. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. when I was starting out and younger, like I also measured myself by those uh, conventional parameters of success. Um, and let me tell you, didn't get very far in terms of like contentment and happiness, because if you're chasing something like fame and numbers, um, it's a never ending journey and you might have to make, uh, decisions. Um, if that's really what you're after, you might have to make a lot of decisions and do things to help you hit those goals instead of what you really want. So when I had the chance to sort of like grow through this period and redefine for myself, why do I make music in the first place? And it comes back down to that. I feel music is a spiritual calling for me. And my ultimate goal is to be an instrument of love through my music. Right. Right. And Every day I wake up and sometimes I can't believe that like after 17 years of doing this, I'm still allowed to do it and I still get to do this. And even though like I try really hard not to be attached to how people receive my music, now and then I get feedback from from people who follow me or my fans of my music and they tell me how my music has impacted their life. And that to me is like the universe's way of uh, giving me a little pat on the, on the back and saying, hey, you're on the right track, you know, keep going. And like, I am so content and I am so joyful and I feel like my life has purpose. So honestly, I feel like I'm successful <laughs> right now. Yeah. I mean, I would I love think... to still grow commercially as much as I can, you know, N- like mm-hmm. never sitting on my laurels. But if I'm really honest with myself, yeah, I am happy. What made you change um, your perspective of success? Was it just being in the industry over time or did you go through something in particular that, that changed your perception? Mm, I would say there were so many 
uh, little little moments and little experiences mm. that made this huge uh, made me really change. But one of the most uh, I would say impactful experiences I had, and the most humbling one, was when in two thousand thirteen. Um, I was nominated in six different categories for the Voice Independent Music Awards. So it's a Southeast Asian-based uh, music awards for in the mm-hmm. independent scene. And I was nominated for six categories. And at that time, I had just started being a solo artist for two years. So that was a, a, a big deal, you know? Um, Absolutely. And, and I remember at that time, I was surrounded by some people who who uh, I, I wouldn't say they had malicious intentions, but rather maybe they expressed their care and concern for me in not the most positive way where they would start telling me about the other people that were in the nominated in the same categories I were and sort of like sort of dissing them or saying like, Oh, they're not as good as you. And you know, just kind of like trash talking right. things and being young and naive and, um, I guess vain to a certain extent. I I sort of started believing what they said and thinking that, you know, I was the shit. <laughs> and so come uh, awards night, right? I'm I'm like there at the awards night and feeling pretty good and confident because hey, I'm nominated in six categories. Mm-hmm. There must be like some reward at the end for me. Um, and so I stood there as the awards night went on. Each of the category was announced. And guess what? I didn't win a single one. Right. Not a single one. And I remember like when the last category was announced, I just stood there feeling like a complete idiot and sort of thinking like, wow, do you see how far you've like gone off balance? Mm. Like, And you're totally no longer like aligning to the values that I say I am about, you mm-hmm. know, and it was really embarrassing. Like no one, no one around me like said anything, but myself, like I felt so ashamed of myself. But so the thing was at the end of the night, um, they announced a surprise category. It was called song of the year. And right. you, no one knew who was nominated until that night itself because it was like secret nomination by the committee. And the prize was a one-song contract with Sony Music. All right. And I won for my song, The Hard Way. Nice. Complete surprise, right? <laughs> and I walked up like to the, the stage, like taking the award. And I remember thinking like, wow, like this experience is tainted for me. I'm not happy receiving this because I behave like a complete ass. Mm-hmm. Like even though this was the, I guess, biggest prize of the entire awards, there was part of me that felt like I didn't deserve it because of how I behaved. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, I think from that moment on, like I am, I was very grateful for that experience because... From that moment onwards, I never, ever thought I was better than anyone else. And that has made my music career so fulfilling because from then on, I went in with a spirit of collaboration and not competition. And it has brought right. me so many like friendships and and a community from my peers in the music industry. And I feel like a much better person for it. So yes, that was a sucky experience, but I'm so grateful I had it also.
You mentioned mm. the word a spiritual journey. Music mm. is your spiritual journey. What do you mean by that exactly? So, I guess it comes down to this question of why are we here, right? Every every mm. single philosopher, like all of us, we we always wonder like what's our purpose on earth. So I firmly believe that every single one of us, our our purpose is just to learn how to love and receive love. That's it. It's as simple as that. And it's up to each one of us to um, sort of figure out how we want to do that. You know, and in my case, I, I have discovered that I can learn how to do that through my music. And I feel, again, very fortunate that I'm able to marry something that I'm personally passionate about with this bigger purpose of life. And it, it has been incredibly fulfilling. Now, do you remember the point where you fell in love with music, with singing, with, with songwriting, mm-hmm. and all of that? And then the other point where you went, huh, I can, t- I can make this a career. I can make a career out of this. Talk to mm. me about these two points in your life. Okay. So I think I have to credit my love of music to my dad. Um, he ah. used to have a lot of cassettes, you know, when we were growing up. And we had a radio um, and I would like pop those cassettes in and listen to his music on repeat and be singing to myself, you know, uh, as a kid. And music to me and singing has been as natural as breathing to the point where I never even thought it was anything special. It was just something I did and I never like looked at it as oh, you know, this is something cool that I do, but rather it's, it really was just second nature to me. And throughout mm-hmm. like um, primary school, high school, you know, I, I went to like singing competitions. I was a conductor of my choir in high school, um, but never ever looked at it as anything but something that I did. Right. And then I went to college and um, I one of my friend who was the accompanist in the choir of my high school we ended up in the same college, and one day I wrote a poem about unrequited love, you know, cliche, <laughs> and um, I gave it to her and I said, like, hey, would you, like, put some music to it? She did, and that was the first song we wrote together, and after that she was like, hey, do you want to form a band that we can write songs together too? I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So <laughs> we wrote, we wrote like, a couple of songs together just for fun, and I remember the first time we ever performed them was... Um, when No Black Tie uh, moved to its current location at Jalan Mursui, it had like mm-hmm. a, a singer-songwriter launch with 14 different singer-songwriters. Um, we both ended up there. And when the performances were over, they announced that it was now open mic and anyone could come up to perform. Right. And then we were like, uh, uh, do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want it? <laughs> like sort of nudging each other. And we went up there. And I still remember, like I held on to that mic stand like it was a live raft. You know, I was so freaking nervous. But we performed two of our songs and the audience, for some strange reason, went completely crazy, was clapping and cheering, you know. And Reza Saleh uh, was sitting in that was one of the performers that night. And I think a couple of weeks or a month after that, he um, started his first ever moonshine at No Black Tie. And he billed us on that gig. And that was our first real gig. Wow. Yeah, and 
but still as like you know that band that was called Rhapsody grew and when mm-hmm. we did gigs I graduated from college I got a full-time job as a writer in a man's fashion magazine and still did not consider music a viable career right yeah and it wasn't until like 2009 when I um traveled to uh, Minnesota to attend a spiritual seminar and I had three I had like these really incredible spiritual experiences and when I came home, um, it was it was kind of crazy. Like um, I attended a workshop um, led by uh, uh, some a Juilliard uh, professor, a guitarist by the name of Rodney Jones, who also played guitar for like Dizzy Gillespie, and and he was also in my spiritual path. And he said something like, "If you think that you're not good enough for whatever reason, if you don't know music theory, you're not technical, blah, blah, blah. Just stop for a moment and remember that as long as you're doing it with love, that's good enough. And I left home, left with that, like resonating through me because I did feel like I wasn't good enough. Um, And then when I came from the States, I, there was a bus service that used to pick me up from where I lived and drop me Right. right in front of my office for one ringgit. When I got home, uh, I waited for the bus again to get to work. I waited for 90 minutes. The bus didn't come. I had to take a cab that cost me 10 ringgit. And then I discovered that in the two weeks that I was gone in the States, this bus service had been discontinued. So I was like, okay, first sign. Mm-hmm. Um, my office building was going through renovation at the time. So renovation, you know, means change. So that was mm-hmm. like, okay, second sign. The third thing was like one night I dreamt that I handed in my resignation letter. The next morning I went to the office and I typed it out. And that was the moment I decided to, you know, give music my full attention. No regrets, I'm guessing. Oh, no. Zero regrets. On the show with me today is Bichu. She's a singer and songwriter. After the break, I ask her how she measures growth. Keep it here on Redefining Success, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Redefining Success. I'm Darshan Johan. And on the show with me today is Bichu, who's a singer-songwriter. So... Take me back in time. Um, what were you like during your schooling days? Did you get good grades? What were your interests and ambitions back then? And how has it changed over the years? Oh my god, I think I was a little insufferable in school. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've spoken about this before. Um, like when I released my song, I Am Enough in mm-hmm. uh, 2020, Valentine's Day. Because I said like, you know, the greatest love affair is the one we have with ourselves. And that song, um, the lyrics are like, I am soul, I am beautiful, I am loved, I am enough. They're like these words that I used to repeat to myself in the mirror because I suffered greatly from insecurity, which led to me actually bullying people when I was in high school, like my especially right. my first and second year of high school. Um, of course, like completely not proud of that. Um, but, um, fortunately I was, um, able to apologize to the people I hurt and by some miracle they forgave me. Although I know like, you know, words and, and the way you treat people will last, the scars last for a lifetime. And I think that's something Mm -hmm. I will forever regret, even though it feels like I've made amends, I, I will still forever regret that. Um, but it was born out of fear 
and insecurities that I had on my own. And, you know, that saying hurt people hurt people. So that was completely true for me. And um, again, I think I feel so fortunate that I'm able to use music to sort of channel all these emotions and, and things. And hopefully, like, the song is very healing for me. Right. Um, and so far, I have gotten enough feedback to say for sure that it has been healing for others too. And I guess that's my way of making amends as well. Is that why you call your brand of music hard music? Because I've seen you describe um, your, brand, your <laughs> brand of music as that. Mm. Um, tell me a little bit about that. So the the fun, logical answer is like, I have no idea how to dec- describe the genre of music I make because right. it's so eclectic and all over the yeah. place um, that I just said heart music to make things easier <laughs> for myself. But it's not untrue. And you're right. Yeah. I think uh, like I try to be as authentic as I can. And so I think it's a very accurate representation of what I'm about. <laughs> Now, people on the outside, right, um, mm-hmm. we sometimes tend to see the glamorous side of things. Um, oh, you're doing something that you love. You're a singer, you're a songwriter, mm. you're performing in front of people. It's so fun. It's cool. And, and all of those things, I'm, I'm assuming, are true. But are true. How hard <laughs> did you have to or do you have to work to sustain this as a career? Talk to me about the efforts, the determination over the oh, years. Oh, my friend. The hustle life is real. Um, I live through many, many days of having like five ringgit in my bank account. Um, You know, all the savings that I accumulated in my three and a half years of a full-time job pretty much disappeared within a year of of going freelance, you know. Um, And until today, I would say funding is still the biggest um, challenge. And like, there's one point in my life where I had five part-time jobs to, um, to sustain, uh, my life and to give me enough resources to fund my music. And until today, this is how I'm doing it. Like I have a couple of part-time jobs, which I also enjoy utilizing like a different skill set. Um, and they offer me enough financial stability, um, which gives me the freedom to create because when I'm not relying on music to make money, it relieves that pressure of my shoulders Mm. and it allows me to really be creative in the way I want to be, how I want to be, when I want to be. And I know this, um, maybe like this scenario might not work for everyone else, but it is the perfect balance for me right now. Like this situation that I've set up for myself. And, um, I'm, I don't think I'm being, arrogant when I say that at this point of my career, everything I put out has to be of a certain quality um, that I demand of myself. And also I think my audience expects from me and things of quality never come cheap. Right. And even though every single person I collaborate with like genuinely believes in my work and always offer me discounts, the bills rack up 
to quite a fair bit um, in the end. Like I can safely say with everything I release, every single song I put out, it cost me five figures to do. All right. And, um, and I've been very honest with my audience about this. You know, I, I don't hide. I don't like shy away. I'm like, this is the reality of it. And, you know, um, I don't ask much of, of the people who listen to me, except that if you really like what I'm doing, you know, please hype me up, man. <laughs> like right. talk to me to, about your friends, like listen, actually listen to my music and share it to the people you love. Cause that's the only way I can keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I'm wondering how do you strike that balance? Because I'm guessing, you know, in a perfect world, you wouldn't need part-time jobs, right? You will mm. just be able to do your thing and, and that will just be, it can just be your main focus. But I'm wondering how, how you strike that balance so that you still have the, the energy mm. like after your part-time jobs and, and all that to come back and, and say, okay, now I want to focus on my music um, mm. without feeling um, burnt out. That's a really easy answer. Pick things mm-hmm. that you love to do. Like right. every single part-time job I have, like I said, they utilize the different skills that I I enjoy and mm. I don't dread any of them. In fact, I find, I consider again myself super lucky that I'm able to pick up these things that I like to do that offers me that stability so I can still make my music with as much enthusiasm as I first started. Um, and honestly, when the pandemic hit, you know, I was like, oh, how lucky I am. I am to have like a diverse income source because I saw a lot of my fellow musicians like really struggle and they had to really work super hard. And, and, and like, I heard that, I mean, we all hate that word, but, but pivot essentially, um, where else like, because I was doing all these other side gigs, um, I had a measure of stability. Yeah. Yeah. And over the past, you know, many years that you've been doing this, right. Did you ever reach a junction where you thought, okay, perhaps this career in music is not going to work out. I might need to go back to, let's say, just doing a different full-time job, whether it's back to your writing, whether it's some other corporate gig, things like that. Um, were there points in your career where you felt <laughs> oh, those things? Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think the lowest moment for me came when, when I think... Uh, and mid uh, 2010, like mm-hmm. I just quit my job, like in 2009, December to right. focus full time on music. And my bandmate at that time, she wasn't Malaysian and middle of 2010, she migrated to Singapore because they offered her, you know, like a work visa and everything and everything. And I was like left hanging with no band and like this crippling insecurity about my my skills and I went through a pretty like depressing period and almost quit I almost quit and Mr. Paul Augustine of uh, Penang Island Jazz Fest and Penang House of Music will tell you that he was the one who sat me down at Starbucks at Bangsa Village and like pretty much talked some sense back into me and made sure I didn't quit and I'm very grateful to him, not just for that moment, but for everything he's helped me do throughout my career until today. And in 2011, I, after also a series of very spiritual, impactful experiences, I decided to 
become a solo artist. And 11 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, so, yes. that's absolutely fantastic. Um, mm. You know, I'm very curious. What does a singer and a songwriter do to keep themselves um, in, in a peak performance shape? Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, it's like you said, there, there is the natural talent um, that, yeah. that, you know, uh, you possess. But like you use the word skill and, and skill, you know, it needs to be sharpened over mm. time and, and things mm. like that. And, you know, when you see it, like if you're a professional athlete, it's okay going to the gym and doing strength and conditioning and then, mm. you know, all sorts of different types of training and things like yeah. that. For a singer, how, how do you keep your skills uh, like, you know, at, at its best uh, performing shape? It's the exact same thing. Exercises. Mm-hmm. You have to like every day, you know, do your vocal exercises. And I will tell you, I'm guilty of not like doing it every day, <laughs> which I should, because that's what I like nag my <laughs> vocal students last time. Um, um, but literally it is that consistency is key. You know, mm-hmm. like if, if you're not keeping up your instrument um, regularly and then only putting in the effort when you need it to work, there's a high chance of like injuring yourself, just like how a professional athlete would. You know, so it's really like doing these exercises every single day. And they're simple, you know, they, you could be as little as 10, 15 minutes a day just to like keep it warmed up. And then when you have performances and show days, then you do like a more comprehensive, like, you know, um, exercises. Um, and personally, for me, I would say like step out of your comfort zone once in a while, like do maybe songs and genres and things that you're not exactly good at just to mm. expand. Yeah, I, I think that's what works for me. What qualities does one need to have to be able to do music for as long mm. as you have been doing? Patience, for sure. Mm. Um, resilience. A certain amount of thick skin, I would say, <laughs> to not uh, succumb to the pressures of external... Um, validation or like measuring yourself to others that's a very dangerous game to play I feel Um, especially since that I sincerely believe that there is a space for all of us in this world you know we 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 can all coexist at the same time we don't have to fight to coexist and if you compare yourself to others you know and look at how other people are doing and then you know like project that back on yourself you're gonna get disheartened really really quickly yeah so and we live in an era of instant gratification so it's easy to get disheartened when you don't see um you know responses that you would like but like after 17 years hey i'm telling you (laughs) um it doesn't really mean much like that, that external thing. It's, it's great. It's nice when people tell you how they feel. It's nice when people love your music and they talk about it and they hype about it. It's nice. But ultimately, ask yourself again, why are you doing this? Why? Absolutely. And once you have the why, everything will fall into place. Bizo, how do you measure growth? Mm, it's when you feel like you don't know what you're doing. Right? Oh, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I say that because like, like I said, you know, every time I release something, 
Mm-hmm. It's like the landscape has changed. You know, I have to learn something right. new. I have to try something new. Um, and I oftentimes feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, right. When you say be. something new, you're, are you talking about like like the, the type of sounds people use? Or what do you mean by, by something new? I think, uh, I guess, new in the way of how I uh, create the music sometimes. You know, maybe I'm doing a different... Uh, maybe I'm stepping out of my comfort zone to do something that right. I've never tried before. Uh, and the something new can oftentimes also mean uh, strategies and ways of reaching uh, my audience. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's like I'm always learning something new. And it's an uncomfortable feeling like not knowing what you're doing. But I think... Maybe we haven't been taught how to sit with discomfort enough. Right. You know, so I'm trying to like get comfortable with discomfort as much as I can. Now, there's going to be a, a new song you're launching, a, a new yes. music video that's coming out. Very exciting. Um, I, I believe it's coming out on the 25th of this month um, and yes. it's called Jiwa Perkasa. Tell me all yep. about this. Ha. Huh. So remember what I talked about pushing myself out of my comfort zone? Right. Um, this is actually, this will be my first original Malay single. Genre-wise, it's uh, definitely not something that I've done before. Uh, so there's a part of me that's uh, feeling a little like, oh my God, will my, will my audience like this? Because it doesn't quite sound like the me they know. But the other part of me is also excited because, you know, I get to do something new. And um, like, if you look at the title of the song, Jiwa Prakasa, it basically means, you know, like a uh, strong soul, but in right. like way more poetically in Malay. Um, mm-hmm. And the song is about celebrating like the hero in all of us. You, you know, we, we sometimes, like, as kids, you know, you get fat fairy tales and, like, we watch movies and blah, blah, blah. And we always seem to, like, expect other people to save the day. Right. You know, when actually mm-hmm. we should be looking at ourselves. And, like, the, the, the first line of my song, it goes, like, Tak pernah kan kau dengar si wira yang gentar. Which means like no one ever tells you how your heroes are afraid. Right. Right. And I mm-hmm. think that we are no longer children. And we know that the world does not have black and white lines drawn on the sand clearly. Everything exists in a nuance, in nuances. And mm-hmm. a lot of times like decisions we make have collateral damage and it comes at a physical, mental, spiritual, emotional cost. And um, that's just a reality. But uh, hopefully we are able to make those decisions with integrity, you know, because uh, sometimes it's unavoidable that you make decisions that no one will be happy with but you will have to be the one to sleep soundly at night with those decisions. So that's what the song's about. Very exciting. How can people check it out? Is it going to be on YouTube, your Spotify, and all the usual places? 
So uh, August 25th, Thursday at 8.30 p.m., I will be um, doing a YouTube premiere. <laughs> so I hope like if uh, people are available, they'll join us and watch. And I love YouTube premieres because like there's a little chat box by the side, right? And then people mm -hmm. can, I can talk to people at the, at, like immediately. And right. the song will be on Spotify as well, but a little later. So the music video mm -hmm. has come out first. But that's the one I'm most excited about because like um, the the, the talents that I worked with in the video are some of the most underrated um, performers in the country. And I'm so excited to show them off. And I think like, I think people will like this. It's, it's like, I've watched the video like 500 times, obviously, <laughs> but I still, I still love like watching it, you know? So I'm hoping yeah. that, um, <laughs> Other people will feel the same. <laughs> I have yeah, no expectations. Absolutely. So before we wrap this conversation up, just one last question. What does it feel like doing something that you love for as long as you have done it? Mm. Like, <laughs> I know this sounds so cliche, but sometimes it really doesn't feel like work, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Okay, like, I, I'm not going to, like, take away the fact that I hustle really hard. <laughs> you know, I work really, really hard and... I think I've earned everything that I've gotten so far and I'm very proud of myself. But sometimes, you know, again, I'll wake up and be like, oh my God, I get to do this. Like, I am so excited <laughs> to go to rehearsals. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever I get to do a rehearsal with my band, I'm, I'm so happy and so excited. I get to see my bandmates. I get to make music with them. And, and um, I, like I, I said earlier that you know, it sometimes feels like I'm still as enthusiastic today than when, as when I started. But I sometimes feel like that's not true. I feel even more enthusiastic today compared to when I first started. And that is a joy that I will treasure for as long as I can. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Dashan, for having me. That was singer-songwriter Bichu. If you missed any part of the conversation, you can check us out on the podcast. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. As Bichu mentioned, her song Jeeva Perkasa will be releasing on the 25th of August. But for now, I'll leave you with a short snippet from the song. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Redefining Success, BFM 89.9. to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.